0: Morning. It's good to see everybody today. I just realized that I have two pens. I've got one in this pocket and one in this pocket. I had no idea I had two pens. Tells you how often I wear this jacket. (laughs) Um, Before we begin, I just wanted to take a moment and say two things. Uh, Number one, um, how much I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of a church that pours into and invests in uh, future leaders. That's one of the things that I have just loved about being here at Community. Um, And we get to have folks like Corey up here leading worship. Um, We get to have, you know, uh, earlier and in Mosaic, uh, we had Caden Blackburn up here. Uh, Corey's on our staff. Caden is one of our interns. Um, And we continue to look for opportunities to pour into those uh, people who do not have gray in their hair yet, because uh, what God is doing in them is worth pouring into. And so I just wanted to just take a moment and express my gratitude for that, uh, because we couldn't do that as a church without you. And so your encouragement and support of our young people is very appreciated. Um, two, uh, the second thing that I wanted to mention today is my personal gratitude to you. Uh, It's been two weeks now since Laura's dad died, and uh, I just wanted to express on behalf of the Baker family and the Wood family, Wood is Laura's maiden name, and the McConaughey's, uh, that is her sister's married name, um, how much we appreciate your encouragement, your prayers, the cards, the well wishes, the Uh, flowers, the everything. Uh, It's just been meaningful and very encouraging, and we are so grateful to get to be a part of this church family, and you have blessed us, so thank you. Um, That's all I'm going to say about that. We, um, We are studying along in the book of Hebrews, and we find ourselves today at Hebrews chapter 4. Now, Uh, We're going to do something a little weird today, and we're going to—I don't usually do things out of order like this, but it felt right today, and I don't know why, but I'm—I'm just going to do what God told me to do, Uh, because when you dig into Hebrews 4, one of the things you figure out pretty quickly is that it is not self-contained in some ways, and—and it is—it boggles my mind why. Maybe there's a wisdom that I'm not aware of, but uh, when they were dividing Hebrews into its chapters. Um, they put the chapter breaks in weird places. Uh, you can't really discern and understand chapter 4 if you are not in chapter 3 as well. You can't really discern next week, you're going to hear this from Pastor Trent. Uh, chapter 5 really doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless until you begin in chapter 4. And so early on in Hebrews, this happens. And what would make sense, this storyteller in me wants to go back to where it began and unpack it all and weave this beautiful narrative. Um, but that didn't feel right today, um, and so I'm not going to do it. But that means it's going to be a little weird for you because we're going to start in chapter 4, and then we're going to go back. Um, I want to give you a heads up as we get ready to dig into chapter 4. Um, it's confusing, especially the first part of it. I, as I was getting ready for today, I spent weeks studying this and then I went to commentaries cuz as I read it I'm like what um and I expect unless you are vastly vastly smarter than me which is completely possible I I'm not, I don't I don't it's absolutely possible um that this is likely going to cause you a little bit of what what is he talking about? That, contrad- that seems to contradict. Like what in the world is going on here? You're going to hear some very regimented, uh, some legalistic language, uh, complicated wordings all kind of put together, references to the uh, things said in the past. You're going to hear all of that. And, and, it's, and it's, it's, you know, honestly, maybe this is just an opportunity for us to be reminded that sometimes there are parts in the Bible, passages that we come across that don't really seem to make sense, and it's actually good for us to dig into them and and wrestle with them from time to time and not only read the stuff that we really like or we find comfortable. Um, So, just laying that out for you. I hope you're ready, it's really enticing now. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Right? No. So we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter four. This is where we're gonna start. And the very first word of this passage tells us that we should be paying attention to the words that came before. Any time you see this word, therefore, any time uh, in your Bibles, think back to what came before it. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, they being the ancient Israelites. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What? And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, It was quoted in chapter 3. Are you confused yet? We're not done. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his works, just as God did from his. So let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. <sighs> woo <Woo-hoo. laughs> Okay, now, now we get to a part in Hebrews 4 uh, where we find some poetry and something that sounds familiar, something, something a little more comfortable. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, thank you so much for your word, for speaking into the darkness, for speaking life and light. Holy Spirit, help us. Be our ears. Be the voice that whispers in our hearts, in our minds, that what is put in front of us can be understood for what our Father is trying to say. We ask this, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, believe it or not, if you just take those words, the ones that I just read, they do mean something specific. There is something that uh, you as a, a Bible studyer can glean from this passage, kind of all standing by itself. And so, if we're going to just read Hebrews 4. Let's, let's talk about that. Let me summarize it for you. I'm going to put it in normal English uh, so you kind of understand what the what the truth piece uh, point of this particular scripture is. You could argue, and some have, that because God's initial promise of rest the promised land so back in ancient israel he promised his people the promised land he would make a home for them in at in jerusalem in canaan and he led them to that place at the at the sea uh, the uh, river jordan and they saw it and they saw it they were scared and so they rejected his promise because they didn't trust him and so he said well then you don't get it You're going to be disobedient. You don't get to go in there. And he sent them for 40 years into the wilderness. And he said the entire generation that rejected and didn't trust me, they don't get to see this rest of this promised land. Some have argued that because of that disobedience, anyone who has ever been disobedient or who has ever struggled with faith, anyone in that condition does not get to have any of God's rest at all. Like only if you're perfect do you get God's rest. And this author is saying that's not true. It's not true. God's promised Sabbath rest is available to you. It is found in the new covenant of the person of Jesus Christ. You actually now have God's rest every day because our great high priest has made every day A Sabbath to the Lord our God. That's a paraphrase, Um, but that okay, right? Okay, good. That's Hebrews chapter four. Um, That's one potential, like one part of what Hebrews chapter four is trying to say. But there's more. I mentioned at the start that you can't really understand fully understand Hebrews four if you don't go back to Hebrews chapter three. And where Hebrews 3 sets us up is a totally different focus than than what I just talked about, what I just summarized. Now, that doesn't mean that what I just summarized is untrue. It doesn't mean that it uh, isn't there. But as is often the case when you read the Bible, often God will say certain true things as a part of revealing other greater true things. And that's kind of what's happening here. So let's remind ourselves what came before the therefore. What does it say in 3 that sets up this passage about Sabbath and rest? And we're going to start at verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, you know, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways, and so I declared on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, Jesus' voice, if you hear Jesus' voice, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So a greater truth has now been revealed, a greater truth, which contains a discussion about Sabbath and rest. But it's kind of been revealed for us with with, with Jesus at the beginning and Jesus at the end of the whole conversation. It's like this wonderful Jesus sandwich. Right? We get, we get Jesus on the one end so we can focus our thoughts on him, and we get Jesus on the back end so that we can hold firmly to our faith in him. So you got Jesus over here, you got Jesus over here in this discussion, and here in the middle is all of this other conversation, and it always is pointing to him on both sides. And this greater truth, this greater truth, I think, that is coming out in this passage is very simply this. The Holy Spirit says that when you hear his Voice. Don't ignore it. Don't set it aside. Don't harden your hearts. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. This is his word, which he gives to us. This is his voice. And when he speaks for your good, please please listen this greater truth this greater context this whole section of scripture which surrounds and includes chapter 4 this is all about listening to Jesus, obeying Jesus. This is about refusing to harden our hearts to what it is he has to say to us, to refuse, to turn away from the living God, to avoid rebellion, to resist unbelief, And if you only read chapter 4, you can get lost in the discussion about Sabbath and God's rest. A lot of people have had a lot of arguments about Sunday and what's supposed to happen on Sunday because of that passage. But that's that's just a tiny little piece of it. There's a bigger thing going on here. If we only focus on that, we're going to miss the point. He is using the topic of God's rest to illustrate the importance of taking God seriously at his word. Today, when you hear his voice, un- unlike those who heard and rebelled, you listen. He speaks on purpose with blessing. He speaks what he says because he loves you. He speaks what he says because it is what we need. He's a, a good father who knows how our lives will crumble and fall apart without him. But there's, there's more. It's not just that he's this good, compassionate father. It's also the reality of he's God. He is the All Everything. He is the great I am. Nothing exists without him. He's creator. He is everything. When he speaks, he does it out of position of authority. When he speaks, he does it out of a position of power. When he speaks, he is speaking wisdom. When God speaks, he speaks the truth. And not because he knows the truth, because when he speaks, that's the truth. That's one of the the, the nice things about being the creator. You're the one that's making it all. You're the one that's coming up with it. You're the one that's fabricating things out of nothing. When you speak, you get to be the one dictating what is true. When God speaks, it is always true, period. And the Bible testifies to this, that when God speaks, he's not messing around. He totally means it when he says Let there be light. There's light. When there was none before. And when he says to the storm, quiet. The storm shuts its mouth. And when he speaks to a valley of dry bones and he says, stand up and breathe they become an army. And when he says, Lazarus, come forth. The dead rise from the grave. He he says, he talks about how important it is, the power of his word. He himself says it in his word. In Ezekiel 37, then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. When God speaks, he's deadly serious. His word is not some kindly grandfather's advice. It is not just a recommendation for what would be better than something else. It is not a a gentle cajoling to try and help us out of a sticky situation or, or to guide us along a less than disastrous path. When God speaks, all of his power is channeled through his word and he means every word that he says. His word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates our souls. It rends our flesh. When God speaks, it will change your life. And you will be blessed through obedience. And you will or you will experience what happens if you choose to disobey and like when we think about those options we like the blessing one we talk about the blessing one we can think about all kinds of ways we would really like to be blessed but the bible is very clear we forget often that the blessings god promises come through obedience And then on the flip side, we really don't like to talk about what that other path offers. But the Bible does not hold back when it talks about what happens if we choose to walk disobediently. The Bible is not unclear about what happens. And I thought, you know what? Because the power of God's word is on display here, this is what this is about. I think maybe we should remember what God says when we choose to walk a different path than he wants. And he tells us exactly what it, well, he's very clear. This comes from Romans. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. See, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, they also approve of others who do them. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Wow. That's what I think this passage in Hebrews 3 and 4 is about. I think that's what this discussion is about. And Sabbath and rest are examples, examples used to make an ultimate point that God is serious when he gives us his truth, when he gives us his directions, when he gives us his call. He's serious. Serious enough that he expects, I mean, he's God. He deserves obedience. What's really hard about all of that is because of how broken we are, because of sin and its pervasiveness and the way it just gets in and and taints everything. There's no way that we can deliver what He deserves and expects. He tells us as much says in Psalm 14, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There's no one who does good. Not even one. That seems bleak, right? This, this seems heavy. Like how, how do we not crumble under the weight of this? How do we not throw our hands up in defeat. See, now this this is when we have to remember the Jesus sandwich. We have to remember the good news that is also found here in this passage and that God is super serious when he speaks. He's super serious every time he speaks. And some of what he says You know what? It can seem kind of scary. It can seem like, oh no, there is no hope. What in the world are we going to do? And he is serious when he says those things. But that same voice, that same voice coming from God, that same voice heard from the God-man Jesus, that same voice reminds us that he has promised to redeem us. It also says in Romans... God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, God, Christ died for us. And if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It says this in, in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Me, These are true, just as true as the scary stuff, just as true as what would seem like really bleakness. The same God who says those things says this for us. And he's deadly serious about this too. He has made a way for us to have his rest. Listen to this from Isaiah. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden whose spring, like a spring whose waters never fail. You, as God's people, will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. He means that for you. He's not kidding. And because, remember the lesson of Hebrews 4 every single day in Jesus is a Sabbath to the Lord. Every single day is a holy day where we live in beautiful communion with our Father. Every day is an opportunity, is a chance for us to be honorable. Not to go our own way, not to do as we please, not to do as we please, to do as he pleases. And when we do that, we will find our joy in the Lord. He is just as serious about that. That is his promise to you. That is his covenant with you. But we don't get to pick and choose. from this book what we agree with and how to live not if you belong to him we are either the people of God we are either the children of the king we're either citizens of heaven and the evidence of that identity is found in how we live if we live in Christ's righteousness that is either either, that's either the truth of us or we are not Our King has revealed to us who He is and how He wants His children to live. He has spoken. So please, please listen to Him. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, it is uh, so helpful to remember that you are the Word of God. You are His voice echoing through the ages. You are the truth, and in you we are set free. Help us to hear what God has to say. Help us to hear what our Father has for us and to choose the path of obedience, to choose to be those children that He names us to be, to agree with Him from the tips of our toes to the tops of our heads. Thank you for being faithful to us. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray.